This is Eric Rosenberg from Narrowbridge Finance, and you are listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast. You're listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast where you'll learn how to earn income, live better, and put your money to work for you. Here's your guide on your path to personal profitability, Eric Rosenberg. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Personal Profitability Podcast. I'm so excited to have you back here. I think this is month number four that we've been going, so if you've been with me all along, Thank you for your dedication. I'm so excited to have you back. And if you're new, welcome to the party. Speaking of parties, I have a great friend, actually another Portland local, who is joining us today. This friend I met at FinCon, I don't know if it was the first one, it was a few years back. We've known each other a while. She was actually one of the few people I knew in Portland when I picked up and moved here out of, I think, three people. She was one of them. So it's a uh, great pleasure to, uh, to welcome my good friend, Kathleen. Uh, formerly Kathleen O'Malley, now Kathleen Kelmans to the show. So give everyone a hello, Kathleen. Hi. So Kathleen, just a little background on her and her history. She started out with a blog called Frugal Portland, and that has developed into a mini blogging empire. She's worked for other companies. She's managed other blogs. She's now partnering with another online partner doing lots of cool things and actually has a blog to teach you how to make money blogging, which is a very useful thing if you want to make money online. So we're going to start off, as we start off all of our interviews, um, both Kathleen and I are having a beer because, you know, finance should be fun. And this is your opportunity to hit the pause button if you're at home to go grab a beer to join us. As always, if you're in the car or if you are at an office where that is not an okay thing, don't feel bad to uh, miss out. But if you're able to, here's your pause point, go grab your beer. Okay, welcome back, unpaused. So, Kathleen, what are you drinking on your side? I have a Ninkasi Dawn of the Red India-style red ale. Ooh, that sounds fun. I haven't had that one. I like Ninkasi. And we end up, I've had a few local Portland people on before, and we all have Oregon beers, which is kind of fun. <laughs> I have mm-hmm. a uh, Hopsmack IPA here from Cascade Lakes. So, I don't know if I've had that one on before, but it's a delicious one. And, you know, me and my hoppy beers friend and listeners. So... Here's a uh, little clinky clink. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Virtual clink. And uh, we'll, we'll get started chatting. So uh, Kathleen, you know, feel free to have a gulp along the way because I'm sure our listeners will. <laughs> so let's start with your history and how you started with your online blogging experience. How did you come up with the idea for Frugal Portland and what motivated you to get started? That's a great question. I woke up on my 30th birthday in 2011 and I still had credit card debt and I thought you know what this is ridiculous I'm a smart person I you know I I know how to do all the right things I I understand math and I can't believe I still have credit card debt and I'm 30 and then at that same time there was this blip in the Google universe where blogs were making 10 20 30 50,000 dollars a month in private ads and I thought well 
that would really help with my credit card debt. Totally. <laughs> and and so and that was like November December 2011. By the time that Frugal Portland got up and running, it was like March and that blip in the Google universe had been fixed. So I never really saw <laughs> the heyday of those um amazing couple of months, but um I got hooked. I was reading a bunch of personal finance blogs and I thought, you know what? I can probably I can probably get this started. And um, my hobby has turned into, um, yeah, an empire. <laughs> <laughs> I like building empires, you know, that's, right? <laughs> that's, that's why I was I'm always trying some project or another. I actually just wrote in my uh, my most recent income statement that I might be trying a new little startup. So we'll see how that goes. I'm always, you know, I figure if I keep adding new businesses, eventually one's going to work, right? So, exactly. So, uh, so you tell us a little bit more about Frugal Portland and the life cycle there and what you did with that site? Sure. It started as a um, Dear Diary kind of blog. Um, hey, I'm frugal and I live in Portland. That'll be great. And so I did a lot of income statements and debt payoff progress and talking about debt and getting out of debt. And then I got out of debt and thought, okay, now what? And now what it's transitioning into in the ne- actually in the next weeks, it's turning into other people's debt stories because I think those are really inspiring Um, and as well as cheap and fun things to do in Portland, because I think with a name like frugal Portland, that's what you expect. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I'm looking to save a few bucks, have a fun day out in Portland. What should I do? That kind of Mm -hmm, stuff. Exactly. Like good happy hours, um, fun trails, good bike rides, stuff like that. What's your favorite happy hour? If if that's something you're going to be featuring, I need to, I need to know. (laughs) Actually, there's a in my neighborhood. There's a bar called Sidebar that has a five dollar happy hour that I just just went to the other day. I thought, whoa, dinner for five dollars! I had a really hard time coming back home and making food after that. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> cool. So, um, so that blog has evolved and has changed a bit. And I know along the way you'd had a different job that was your main job, and you switched to a different main job that involved some online income and whatnot. How did that all come to be? Yeah, that's another fun story. I was working for a company that sold a software solution to farmers markets. They were a little bit ahead of their time. And um, now they're, they're up and running and it's amazing. It's, it's the best software of its kind on the market for a long time. It was the only software of its kind on the market. And I loved it. And then I really loved blogging more than that. And I went to World Domination Summit two summers ago and joined their Facebook group. And after World Domination Summit, I saw somebody else in the group posted a job that was a blog manager job. And I thought, well, that's what I do for fun. I'd love to do that for real. Um, And you know, 35 interviews later, that's what I do for a living. I'm a blog manager for the Center for Sales Strategy, and we have an in-house blog. And then we also do inbound marketing for companies. So teaching companies how to be a part of the prospects research stage. You know, for those of you who are unfamiliar, I think I mentioned it on here before, WDS is World Domination Summit. It's a feel-good get-together that happens every year in Portland. It's run by a guy named Chris Gillibo, who I definitely have mentioned here before because I've given away copies of his book on the podcast. So Chris has his own blog called The Art of Nonconformity, and he's visited every single country in the world, including the new one that 
was founded since he started traveling. So he's uh, he's done some pretty amazing things and brings this great get together together. I got to go last year and met some met one of my blogging heroes and got to hang out with Kathleen and some pretty cool folks. So that's a cool thing to to go there and have that lead to career change. Now, when you left the old job to start the new job, was that did you leave at the same time as you started the new job? Was it a direct income replacement? Did you make more or less money? Were you obviously were happy with the change? So how did that take place? Uh, yeah, it's I, I helped them for a little while, um, a couple of hours a week, while, while they found a new person, and the income is pretty similar. Although with the other job I had commission here, I don't. So um, there's there's less there. But then again, I don't have to sell directly. So that's also like the paycheck's a little better. steadier. <laughs> yes, definitely steadier. Um, much more even. Um, I consider my online stuff the commission part of my old job, so it's it's about even. Okay, so along the way, I know you started Frugal Portland writing about your debt payoff. At what point in here did you start getting your debt really paid off, and did your online income have any big influence in being able to pay that debt off? You know, it didn't. I mean, in as much as anything did. I was so focused on paying off my debt that I put every single dollar toward it. You know, my grandma would give me $25 at Christmas and I would put that toward my debt. So anytime I got anything from the internet, it went straight to my debt of highest pain. And I I think it was probably less than a thousand dollars total. So sure it helped. I mean, just like everything helps, but it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be when I started it in 2011. By the time I'd gotten out of debt, I was about three weeks from buying a condo. So I never really knew what being out of debt felt like because I replaced my credit card plus student loan plus car loan with a mortgage, which yeah. was much bigger. Yeah. So, um, so what timeline was that? How long did it take from when you said, I'm going to pay off all my debt till you got those credit cards paid off? No, the credit cards were paid off in six months and then everything was, everything was paid off in 18 months. Do you mind sharing how much you paid off in that six months? Six months was $12,000. So that's pretty big. Yeah, that's what over yeah. two thousand a month. That's a, yep. that's a good chunk of change for a lot of people. So congratulations, good job on that. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you. The <laughs> better thing to congratulate would not be getting into that position in the first place. <laughs> yes. yes, definitely. I hear that. <laughs> so along the way, Frugal Portland, I know you said probably made less than a thousand dollars towards the credit card debt. Has the income from that grown, and has that become a major online income source for you? It's not a major online income source for me. And I don't think it's set up to be, you know, if I had known what I know now in 2011, I don't think I would have gone so niche into frugality and debt blogging within a specific regional area. Um, so it, it's very hard to talk about ways to make more money um, or normal lifestyle things when the the whole tone of Frugal Portland is about saving as much money as you can. So that's what that, that whole site is about learning how to live minimally, 
and save half your income and how to, how to do that kind of thing. So it's made me money, but mostly in AdSense and affiliate links. And it's probably, uh, I was saying this to Eric off the record, but the way that we talk about it on for-profit blogging is that there are different tiers of money making. And you, I believe that anybody can make money with their blog. I don't believe that everybody can make $10,000 a month, but I think you can, you can make three, there are three different tiers in my mind. There's the, the top one, which is income replacement. And, and then below that, it's some, something that pays the bill so that the blog acts like a roommate and pays your rent or part of your rent or your mortgage or a lot of your bills. And then there's the smaller tier, which is what I call the Thai food tier, which is, which means that the blog pays for your food every once in a while. It buys you dinner every now and again. And I would say that Frugal Portland is that middle tier. It doesn't make a lot of money. Um, You know, it makes enough to pay staff writers and it makes enough to, um, to bring in some AdSense revenue. Um, you know, we, I went from getting a payout every year to getting a payout now every, almost every month. So there, you know, there, there are ways you can do it. It's, um, it's just not the intent of Frugal Portland. So speaking of for-profit blogging, as Kathleen just mentioned, she has another blog that she started along the way <laughs> that I'd said earlier is about how to make money blogging. So you, could you share a little bit about how that idea came to be? And how you went about launching that? Yeah, that was a mastermind group kind of thing where one week I would say, hey, there's this new tool that you should be looking at. And my mastermind group would be like, neat, that's really fun. (laughs) Or, hey, here's how to put images on pictures and optimize for Pinterest. Cool, that's that seems really neat. And so like all the time I was nerding out with these tools and I needed an outlet. And basically, like every URL I bought, I thought, hmm, I wonder if forprofitblogging.com is taken. The first one I tried was blogforprofit.com, and that was taken, which I didn't really, I wasn't very surprised by. But then I was really surprised that for-profit-blogging was available. And I thought, well, the universe says that I should have it, and it's $8 <laughs> or something. And so I bought that. And then I, I did more of a strategic launch with that one. I wrote 30 posts before I went live. And then I, so then I was able to like flood with um, posts every couple of days, even without having to write them all the time, which was really helpful at first because mm-hmm. in, when you're launching, you want to make more, as many connections as possible. And now what it's turned into is sort of a, here, we tried this on this site and this is what worked and this is what didn't work because now... I may be getting ahead of myself, but I am, I am partnering. I am a partner of, with, sorry, yes, with, uh, Joel Saul Sihai of Stacking Benjamins. You probably know him from his podcast. So he has two websites and I have two websites and we use for-profit blogging to talk about things. So one of the latest posts on there is how we went through a redesign of stackingbenjamins.com. And it's a really fun place to talk about blogging because one of the things I see in a lot of personal finance blogs is that those turn into blogs about blogging, Mm -hmm. which I don't think belong. Um, I don't, I, I, I think with personal profit profitability, that makes perfect sense. 
you can talk about how to make money and that's <laughs> that's great but like for people who there's there's a lot of blogs that are you know i paid off my debt.com and it turn you go there and you see how to optimize for keywords in a blog post and i don't think those belong so it, it's a fun outlet to talk about ways to make money and there's a lot of chance for affiliate income there because lots of companies like to sell things to bloggers. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Part of actually part of what I try to do on personal profitability. You know, I there's plenty of just like yours, there's some really good blogs about blogging and I figure people aren't coming here to learn about how to blog, though that might be a piece of what they want to learn. So I do I try to feature all the other businesses I have, which a lot of wouldn't exist without the blog. So I think it's kind of an interdependent thing. Like all my freelance work and all I do, that all started because I had a blog and learned how to do that well. And that leveraged different relationships where people are like, hey, will you do this for me? I'll give you money. <laughs> it's kind of fun. So it's, um, that's, that's my little take on, on how actually the name came to be that way as well. It's thinking, cool. how do I make people more profitable? <laughs> so um, anyway, so I'm losing my train of thought just talking here. So you have for-profit blogging. How is that performing financially compared to Frugal Portland? Is that making more money since I know you put more thought into it as you built it? It is making more, certainly on a percentage of page views basis, because I have the audience dialed in. Um, people who come to for-profit blogging are coming to learn how to make money blogging. It's not, there's, there's nothing... Um, kind of bait and switch like frugal Portland kind of is. And so because they're coming there, they're a lot of them are landing on product review um, posts. So they end up clicking through if I liked something. Um, if I didn't, they might click through anyway, <laughs> but um, they're, yeah, they're, it, it's, it doesn't have, it doesn't have the traffic that frugal Portland does yet, but a lot of that is just a matter of time. Uh, it's not as old. So do you find, so is most of that, income you're making from that site from affiliates? Yes. I would say 90% there. Well, AdSense too, I guess, because it's all under the same umbrella now. So for those who are not initiated, affiliate links are what, and I have several on, on personal profitability that you'll come across. If you click on a link to a product and you have a relationship with the product you're writing about, you might get a little referral fee if you sign up. So let's say, you know, I write about Capital One 360 checkings. I think it's a good checking account. You know, I've had it myself. And if you click through my link and sign up, you can, depending on the relationship you have, I might get, you know, $20 or something like that. So some affiliate sales pay a really big percentage. Some pay a really small percentage. And it really depends on, um, you know, you can, there's, there's big affiliate networks you can go through, like Commission Junction, CJ.com is probably the biggest out there. And there's fixed rates for each blogger relationship that you can sign up for. But if you're a superstar, you work with them or they have their own private network, which some products do, you can negotiate a better rate or things like that. So uh, that's a, a little tiny crash course in what affiliates is. So uh, so Kathleen, along the way, I know you you bought that condo you mentioned and you sold it and have recently bought a house. Can you share a little bit about I know you ended up in a nasty situation with taxes and things in the old condo. Can you share what your initial payments were and what you expected them to be along the way and then what happened when you had your big shock moment? 
<laughs> sure. Um, and actually, we didn't sell the condo. We're oh. renting it out. Um, but we, when I moved, um, and I, I know a lot more about real estate than I did. But um, when I moved, I, I signed all the paperwork and it said, okay, great. Um, your mortgage payment is going to be $900 a month. And I thought, okay, that I, I can do that. That's, you know, like $100 more than my rent. That's fine. And then I understood that there was an HOA and that wasn't very much, at least in terms of how much HOAs are, can cost elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and then my tax assessment went up because they didn't, they didn't do a survey on the property taxes while the building was empty. They waited until people came in. And so the estimated taxes were about $1,800 a year and the, it jumped. So my, my payment in December was 900. And then they asked in January for 1500 or 1400 or something like that. And I thought, Oh my gosh, what am I, what am I going to do? I'm gonna have to get a roommate. Like this is, (laughs) this is a a lot more money. Um, And it turned out that we were out of reserve. Um, The mortgage company holds money in escrow for taxes so that you pay them every month instead of paying like a ridiculous amount at the end of the year. So, but we had uh, depleted those reserves and then some, so they had, I had a, I had to pay back escrow for a year and now it's okay. Now it's back down. I think like it's 1100 a month and that's fine. That works out just fine. Um, That's just the mortgage or mortgage and tax, I guess. Okay. So, um, actually but funny thing, which with Portland for people who live elsewhere, we have no sales tax here. So we can go shopping spree and there's no sales tax on anything, food, drinks, restaurants, um, stores, but our, um, income taxes are a bit higher than most places you'll see. And our property taxes here are pretty high. And that's, um, you know, just part of Portland living you know, the government gets their money somehow. <laughs> so yes. especially with new construction as you know totally so actually i haven't gotten my big tax assessment yet from the city we're waiting on that but we are escrowing estimating it will be pretty high just because you know, we're, we're new construction and we assume we'll have a lot of taxes here you so will. yes so everybody who's listening please click through that amazon link on the personal profitability <laughs> podcast page because that helps me pay that astronomically high property tax and i appreciate it so um anyway so i know you did get a roommate this guy um i don't, I don't know if you say his name on the internet it's a guy i do just, okay i do let's say we could call him b just as a uh, <laughs> yeah no okay. or, just, or r just give him some random letter um, <laughs> yeah so you had a roommate move in who um you ended up marrying congratulations i, I was Thank so you. i was happy to be at the wedding and, and cheer for you so you you did have a roommate move in. We'll call him a roommate for financial purposes. <laughs> we and had to for uh, insurance purposes too. State Farm needed a uh, what are those, rental agreement. <laughs> We're oh. like, uh, okay. Interesting. So so you had this roommate move in and started having a two income household. Did that change how you managed your finances at all? Well, you you'll like this because it's kind of your fault. Um, we remember that time we all went out and you were talking about the Southwest card, how you could get the plus and the, the, like the two different tiers of Southwest and you could get like an extra year of companion fares. 
Yes. Do you remember that? Okay. Yeah. So just to give everyone a little background on what Kathleen's talking about, you there's a deal that pops up occasionally. I don't know if it's up right now, where you can get 50,000 bonus miles when you sign up for a Southwest credit card, which those come from Chase. And there's a business version and a personal version. And most how most airlines work, you can earn miles from their credit cards and use them for flights. And that's that's the end of the day. But with Southwest, miles you earn through your credit card, including the bonuses, count towards a companion pass. And if you get 110,000 miles earned within a calendar year, you can get a companion pass for the entire rest of that year, plus the following calendar year. So if you do it really early in the year, you get two years of a companion pass, which means every flight that you book on Southwest, whether it's with miles or with dollars, you can take a designated companion, which you can't just change it for every flight. It has to be one person. You can change it every once in a while, but not much. And that person flies free. You just pay, I guess, $5 per one-way in taxes. So that's what Kathleen's talking about there. And with the the two credit cards, you can get 100,000 bonus points from spending, I think it's 2000 or $3,000 per card. And you don't actually have to spend real money out of your pocket. There's things called manufactured spending. I actually have a really long travel hacking post. I, I'll try to remember to link to that in the show notes for everybody. So you can check that out. But that's, uh, that's what Kathleen's talking about here is trying to use those two credit cards to get lots of free flights. So, yes, but we didn't have to do manufactured spending because we had just gotten engaged. And in case you don't know this, getting married is really expensive. Yes. So yes, we had is. all these deposits we paid in full in January. After we, after we met up with you, we got those cards and then kind of de facto had combined our finances because we were both, I mean, we, if we swiped on the card, it was like, well, who should pay for this? We didn't even think about it because we had the same credit card. And then by the time the credit card bill was due, we thought, well, we might as well put our money in the same place so that we can uh, pay this off without having to divide it up. Like you should pay for chairs and I should pay for ice cream <laughs> or like, who knows what, how you're supposed to do that. So um, one of the real benefits of having Frugal Portland um, was that when Brandon and I first started dating, he saw it. I sent him a link to a post that I had written um, and he read the whole thing. And so he knew all of my financial demons. Um, <laughs> and so he understood that I had, you know, I had, I had a history with um, spending out of control and I had, you know, I'd come back, I'd come through on the other side, but um, it was funny because the the conversation about combining finances wasn't really a conversation. It was just like, well, we got to get this credit card bill paid in full every month. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> if you're going to use credit cards, you've got to pay them off. Um, so it, what, it, it's funny because we were like, well, I guess that was Eric's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we could re- write a new blog post, credit cards, a love story. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's see how that comes together. <laughs> So now I know you've gotten on the uh, on the track towards saving half of your income each month. Can you share where you learned about that idea, what what that takes, and how that has affected your finances? Yeah, it changes everything. I saw a post on Financial Samurai when I was paying off debt, and I said, "Wow, that's amazing!" I mean, he. 
if you don't know financialsamurai.com, it's a it's a blog done by a very smart guy who typically has spreadsheets um, that prove his thesis statement. And so he made it pretty clear he had different people starting off at different different places and he had assumed like every five years somebody would get a raise and if you save this much, this is how much you can like work less. You know, the, the more you save, the shorter your career has to be. And um, and he was just like minutes from financial independence at that point. And so he was, it was really inspiring. And I wrote, I remember writing a comment saying, gosh, I wish I could do that. And he wrote back and said, hey, debt payment counts as savings. Why don't you run the numbers again? And I found that I was saving more than 30% of my income. I think it was like almost 40% of my income. If you count debt payment, I know that's really controversial, but if you're, if you're paying down debt that has a, an endpoint, the sooner you pay that off, the sooner that money is yours. I think that counts. It doesn't count as savings if you're swiping a credit card for something you can't afford and you pay it off in two months. That's not savings. <laughs> you shouldn't have bought those shoes or whatever. Well, I like but, that philosophy. I think that's a cool idea. But it was really inspiring because he said, like, look, you're already doing it. And so once I got out of debt, I thought, well, I can still do this. And um, Brent was on board. And so for us, because my income was variable at the time and still is to a certain extent, because you can never know what you're going to make online. um, Instead of picking a percentage, we just decided on a number. And so we're working toward a number. Um, you know, I've posted this on the internet so I can say, um, last year we saved $75,000 only to turn it into a down payment, but still, <laughs> we had hey, that that's equity. That's, that's an <laughs> asset that's on um, your balance sheet. Yeah. We can't do that every year, but, um, <laughs> but some people actually, I, Sam, um, from financial samurai, I'm, I'm buddies with him. He's a good guy. He, uh, he owns a few investment properties. I think a few, and he did just that. He saved up for down payments and he turned them into rental properties. So he's, you know, I'd say an asset's an asset. Count it. <laughs> right, right. So um, so our goal this year is to save $80,000, which is, let's put this out there, more than I bring in. So our goal is to live a normal Portland life. And for people who don't live in Portland, it's there's a lot of really delicious restaurants. And so we're... <laughs> and breweries. Um, yeah. Which I know, Kathleen, you can't enjoy every brewery, but um, you know, for, for those on the uh, who don't know Kathleen as well as I do, she has a gluten intolerance. So some beers that we can have, she can't, but she has lots <laughs> of good options in Portland. And the, the food scene is, is incredible. So um, one of our things is we want to, we don't want, we, there, we know we could live um, eating rice and beans, but we um, prioritize how, saving for our future selves, but not saving, you know, 90% of our income or um, anything more than 50%. So our, like I said, our goal is 80,000. We track it every month uh, on our own. It's a little bit boring. So I stopped posting about it. Um, But um, it's, I really like looking at the spreadsheet. It's like, it's very exciting when we're able to put more and more into Vanguard. Do you have a target early retirement plan or are you do you think when you retire you'll still really want to work on internet things and and hobbies that have become passions 
Yeah, I don't know. I um I've been told I'm a bit addicted to workahol. So um <laughs> I just heard that from my wife about a half hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> so you understand. So I have all kinds of projects in my head. Um so I'm not sure I'm not sure what financial independence means. And I also don't know the future. You know, I don't know if we're if we're gonna have kids. I don't know if we're going to stay in Portland forever, like there's so much that I don't know that I can't say like, Hey, uh, by the time we're 40, we're not going to be working. You know, we're going to be drinking Mai Tais on the beach all the time or something like that. I can't, like, I don't know that. So. Well, I very, I very much like your idea of save as much as you can, but not at the expense of your current self enjoying Uh, for, for listeners. I just got back from Spain last week. I was there for two weeks with my wife. We went to Spain and Gibraltar and Portugal, and yeah, we travel hacked it, so the flights were pretty cheap and accommodations were pretty cheap. But still, crossing the world for a couple of weeks expense adds up, and it's important to you know you think of your money as a tool that you can enjoy. It's not you know when you have a ton of debt, it can be money can be a hindrance to enjoying your life. But once you have that paid off or you have it all paid off, other than let's say a mortgage or student loans that you're chipping away at. You can use your money to do great things like save for early retirement or financial independence or trips around the world or going to have the best um, amount of fried chicken in Portland or something. So there's lots of cool things you can do with your money. And there's um, one big finance blogger who Kathleen and I both know, Mr. Money Mustache. He's probably the biggest name in early retirement, save half your income kind of stuff. So if you're interested in that. Uh, in addition to Frugal Portland and my blog, that's another good place to take a read. So, um, so Kathleen, is there any other big stuff you want to share from your story that you want uh, the readers to hear that you think would be an interesting tidbit? No, I'm working on a, a physical product, but it's not it's not ready enough to talk about yet. Oh, that's exciting. I'm I'm yeah. excited to hear about that when it is time to hear about. That's fun. Yeah, you won't you won't be able to get rid of me when it's time to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> My Facebook will be full of Kathleen saying, "Check out this thing I'm making." Right, exactly. Um, who needs who needs a guest post from me? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if you if our readers were inspired and loved your story, where are good places for them to go out and find you on the interwebs? You can find me at frugalportland.com. You can find me at forprofitblogging.com and you can find me, uh, in, I'm an ever-increasing presence over at stackingbenjamins.com. Great. And how, uh, Twitter, any any preferred direct contact methods? Oh, sure. My Twitter is O'Malley K. Perfect. So Kathleen, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. I found it very interesting hearing parts of your story that I didn't even know about. So it was great for me. I, I think it was great for everyone else. So I want to pick up my uh, my beer and uh, give you another virtual cheers. Ding. And uh, <laughs> thank you so much for being a part of it. And everybody, thanks for coming and listening. Um, as, as I mentioned a few times lately, we just got into the iTunes store. So if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else, please take a moment to give a little rating. If you think we're awesome, five stars would be swell. If you think we're bad, please send me an email and let me know what we can do or what I say we, what I can do better to improve your experience. And uh, everyone, until next time, stay profitable. Thanks for listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating on iTunes or share it with a friend.